0: He is our anchor, amen? Come on, can we just give thanks to the Lord for a moment? Hey, speaking of give thanks, man, Thanksgiving. Anybody, this is part of your favorite time of the year? Come on, somebody. I'm just curious, how many people are gonna be traveling this week? Let me just give a sign of hands. Lord, be with you guys, be safe. And hey, how about let's this time have a no drama at our Thanksgiving tables. Come on, somebody. Come on, grandma, no, no drama this time. It's always grandma. She says something. Everybody's like, oh, no, no. (laughs) Hey, well, I know. (laughs) So grandma's like, be careful now. Be careful. It's already started. Hey, listen, we do pray that you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I just want to have some fun with you just for a moment before we dive into the word today in part three of our series, Anchored. And so if we were having all you beautiful people and all those watching online, online, we want to say thank you for joining us today. If we had you guys over our house, number one, it'd be a humongous table. Come on, somebody but we would need to know what you like. And so I want to throw a couple things your way and just give me a sign of hands or noise, all right? So we we can kind of prepare the menu, all right? So would you rather have, I know that turkey is kind of iconic, it's Thanksgiving, but some people don't like turkey, they like ham. So would you rather have turkey or ham at Thanksgiving? Where's my turkey people, all right? Come on, you turkeys, all right? Where my ham people? All right. All right. Even in the back in the sound booth, they're like, ham hey, all the way. All right. Here's a tougher. Here's a tougher, all right? Mac and cheese. I'm not talking about the stuff in the box. I'm talking about when you put your shovel, your spoon in it, you pull it out. It, like, it pulls back because of the cheese. You might know what I'm talking about. The real stuff. All right. As good as that is, the choice would be mac and cheese or sweet potato casserole with burned marshmallow on top. Somebody's like, where's my mac and cheese, people? All right, I see that hand Levin. All right, where are my casserole, people? Marshmallows. You know you're only eating it because the marshmallows. That's all. That's what I did. I just moved the other stuff and just ate the marshmallows. All right, last but not least, and this is, this is a biggie, guys. This is a biggie. I've, I've, I have found out, 9 a.m. confirmed it. There's some tension on this next question. All right, it is cranberry sauce, all right? I can't stand the stuff, but there's people that love it. All right, cranberry sauce, homemade or the can? See, Lisa was right. She told me yesterday, there's, it's major, it's a hot topic, Chris, cranberry sauce. I'm like, it ain't no big thing. Where are my homemade cranberry sauce people? Where are my canned people? I see you, Pastor Aaron Bohr. So you guys are telling me that you like that. Looks like an alien just. All right, real quick. Dessert pumpkin pie, pecan pie, or apple pie. Where are my pecan pie people? Pumpkin pie people. And apple pie. All right. We need to pray because all your attention's gone to food now everybody's like, I'm out, man. Let's go eat. Well, we're going to eat the word first and then you can go eat lunch later. All right. Let's pray. Let's dive in. And we do pray that you guys have a wonderful, fun Thanksgiving. And seriously, no drama at the table. Amen? Amen. Lord, we love you. And there's so much to be grateful for. Thank you that we can have fun in your house. And thank you now, Lord, as we dive into your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for this series. We needed it. As we go into the end of this year, and with everything going on in our world, we needed to be reminded that we must be your sons and daughters who are anchored to you. So Holy Spirit, would you help me speak to this beautiful group of people and those who are watching us online. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Would you turn over to Matthew chapter 24. Pastor Johnson opened the series with this. We're going to revisit just a few verses and if you want to get ahead, put your finger on Hebrews 12. We'll turn right over to Hebrews 12 after Matthew 24. Now you guys were super engaged when I called out food, so I'm asking you to lean in and be super engaged on the word too. All right? All right, so we're we're in the series anchored. Somebody say anchored. And we want to look at this. This is now I want to encourage you, we're only dissecting uh, a few scriptures from Matthew 24 and And this is really a a, a prophetic warning. It's a a picture of what's going to happen in the last days. And the disciples are asking Jesus a question. And in the whole chapter, he gives them an answer to what they're about to go through in the future. And then he gives a bigger picture of what the church is going to go through in the last days. And so let's look at this together. Look down at verse 4, Matthew 24. You guys there? All right, Matthew 24, verse 4. This is New Living Translation. Of course, if you don't have it, right here on the screen. Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive. Somebody say deceive. Deceive. They will deceive many. Now I'm going to go and give you the heads up. You're going to see the theme of deception through these verses we're going to read. They will deceive many. And then, verse 6, Jesus says, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Don't panic, Jesus says. Yes, these things must take take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Verse 7 nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. So this is the beginning of the end. And so he's giving us the sign. Now let's look look a little deeper here. Verse 9. Then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed. Why? Because we're followers of Jesus. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Verse 11, and many false prophets, again, you see that theme there, will appear and will deceive many people. Verse 12, sin will be rampant everywhere, and this is the sad part, and the love of many, who's he talking about? His followers. He's talking about the church. And the love of many will grow cold. But, somebody say but. But "But the one who endures to the end Will be saved. Can we say that together? But the one who endures to the end will be saved. There you are. Verse 14. And the good news. Somebody say good news. news. About the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. I wish I had time to just dissect this. I want to give you some observations from what I just read. And I want to say this about verse 14 before I throw out some observations to you. Did you know that we are in the day and age right now? Thank God for technology and satellites that we're actually seeing verse 14 come to fruition. It said that the good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. Before these days, before the time we're living in, that never could have happened. But because of technology and satellites, they are finding unreached people groups around the world, and they're using computers with with linguistics and studying languages, and they're coming in and telling unreached people about Jesus Christ. And so that window of time and space and people is getting smaller and smaller, where the good news will be preached around the world, and then Jesus says, I will come back. It's pretty amazing when you think about it. And so I want to give you some quick observations. Four, if you're taking notes, we got a lot of note takers in the room on your cell phone, or maybe you go old school like me, but here we go. Note number one, could we be living in the beginning of this prophecy? I believe we are. I want to encourage you to go read the whole chapter. My Bible calls it the signs of the end of the age. Last days. People use that language. It's not days. It's a period of time. It's the last period of time. It's the time that, where time will end. And so we are living. I believe we are knocking on the door. Some people believe we're already walking through the door, but either way, we're right there at the beginning of seeing these prophecies be fulfilled. Number two, sadly, you heard me say it many times, that deception will be the main tool of the enemy. Now, 11 a.m., look up at me real quick over here. Did you know that you cannot be deceived if you are anchored to Jesus and his word? You cannot be deceived if you are anchored to Jesus in the midst of a storm and anchored firmly planted in the word of God. Why? Because the truth will always expose the lie. The truth, not your truth or my truth, not the world's truth, the truth of God's word will set you free and will expose the lies of the enemy. And it will expose when you hear things in the world that you think could be God, but the word will say, that ain't God. That's why we got to be people of the word or we will be deceived. Because Jesus said, many will come in my name. And they'll do even, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself here, but they'll even do counterfeit miracles to get people to believe. And so we got to make sure that we look at the B-I-B-L-E and live by it. Amen. Number three observation from what I just read, that the goal of hell during the last days, again, in quotes, it's a time period, not days, is is to disconnect people from God. That's the whole goal. If they can get you, if if hell can get us disconnected, then we're easy picking. And so we got to be a people that when we're going through the storm, come on, don't give up, press into Jesus. When you're going through a difficult time, don't give up. The enemy's goal is to get you disconnected. But the goal of heaven for you is to plug into Jesus. Plug into Jesus. Even if you don't, you're going through a tough time. Some of you in the room, some of you online, you're going through a tough time right now. And in your flesh, you don't want to read the Bible. Let's be real. Can we be real at 11 a.m.? In your flesh? In your flesh. You don't want worship music on. We like to sulk in our flesh. We like to get woe is me. We like to complain. But in your gut, in your spiritual gut, you know, I've got to get to the Bible. I've got to throw some worship on. I've got to get out of my yucky flesh, and I've got to rise in my spirit and anchor myself to Jesus. The goal of hell is to get you disconnected from God. And then number four, it was right here on the screen earlier, is only people who are anchored will make it. Only people who are anchored will make it. And I declare over all of us in the room and those who are online, we're going to make it in Jesus' name. Amen? We're going to make it. It's going to be tough, but we're going to make it. Why are we going to make it? Because we're saying so? No. We're going to make it because we're anchored to Jesus and his word. Amen? That's why this series is so important. We're here to equip you, prepare us, and also we gotta recognize we wanna give you some things. We wanna give you some things that we can anchor to. First off, Jesus, number one. That we can anchor to when we're, going, when we're surrounded by stuff that's tough, when we're going through difficult times. Come on, when things are happening around you or even to you, that we can anchor ourselves to Jesus And we can plant ourselves in the Word of God, and we will get through to the other side. Amen? And we will endure to the end. So part one, I talked about anchored to Jesus. Part two, last week, was anchored to truth. And today, if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do so, we're talking about being anchored to the fear of the Lord. Anchored to to the fear of the Lord. Now let me just go ahead and tell you. I've got a fear of the Lord on me in preaching about the fear of the Lord. And I want to just tell you this subject is not preached enough in church today, Capital C church. So I'm thankful that we're in a church that's gonna tell the truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God. You're gonna hear the truth. Your flesh might not like it, but I want to encourage you with the spirit to lean in. Somebody say, lean in. And let's let the Lord speak to us about what is the fear of the Lord. All right, so look over. I told you Hebrews 12. Are you there? Hebrews 12. Look down at verse 25. Come on, front row. I heard you guys. That was awesome. Hebrews 12, ver- verse 25. Be careful. Somebody say, be careful. be careful. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. I'm not ta- it's not talking about me speaking to you. We got to be careful that we're always listening to the voice of the Spirit. We need to be always listening. Come on, not just hearing. We are listening and obeying. Amen? That we are listening to the voice of God. I know we're all moving at Mach 10, but we got to slow down enough that we can hear the voice of God through his word when we read it, but also hear his voice throughout the day. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, he says, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means, verse 27, that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Key verse right here, verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, mm, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful. Somebody say thankful. thankful. And please God, how do you do that? By worshiping him with holy fear, and all. For our God is a devouring fire, or maybe your translation says, for our God is an all consuming fire. 11 a.m., there's a whole lot of shaking going on in our world right now, in our nation, in our state. There are many, many people shaken to the core with fear. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I would say jump on the news just to watch the highlights and then get off because it's flat out depressing. And it can be scary if you allow it to get inside. I like to stay alert and know what's going on and so I know how to pray, that's it. But I wanna encourage you, the the sad part about all this with fear that's in our nation and in in our world and in people, it's also in the people of God. Many Christians are shaken to the core of wondering what's going to happen next. And it feels like fear, even uh, people being terrified that it's escalated since COVID hit us a couple years ago. There's just there's panic, and it's almost we 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 have we're just a little bit on edge. You might know what I'm talking about. You can be at the gas station and feel a little on edge. You can be at the Mall of Georgia and just feel a little on edge. You could be wherever, and it's just a little bit unnerving. What's happening local and what's happening global. But what I want to tell you is today, to spell this out really clearly so we can get on the same page, there is a big difference, listen to me now, there's a big difference between the spirit of fear and the fear of the Lord. Now listen, we have a lot of newbies in this church. I'm so thankful. We are reaching people. So there's a myriad of people in this room with, with different life experiences. There's new to the faith. All right? And so I'm going to be real simple. I'm a simple man anyway, and I'm going to make it as clear as I can. And I also know there's a lot of people that have been Christians for a long time. But we got to make sure that we understand the difference between a spirit of fear, by the way, which is a demon, and the fear of the Lord, which is holy, reverent worship before God. One will make you run from God. One will make you run to God. The fear of the Lord will make you run straight to his feet and give him all you got. The other fear will make you be terrified. Now, I want to give, give you some backing on this so you don't think this is just Chris's opinion. The fear has two meanings in Hebrew. One is pakad and the other one is yaira. Somebody say pakad. Pakad means terror or the word terrified. Dread or literally the literal emotion of fear that one experiences in a dangerous situation. For me, that would be going up a roller coaster. Ching, 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 ching. Ah! <laughs> I mean, that's me. And that's, that's silly, right? I mean, but that scares me to death. Last roller coaster I went on was like five years ago, my son Grant. I will never step on another one again. I'm scared of them. Don't like it. Man wasn't supposed to do that. But there's real fears like I talked about earlier. That's silly fear, but there's real fears. There's a lot of people probably in this room, like me, I had to get this thing conquered by the help of the Holy Spirit, that have a fear of man, fear of failure, fear of rejection. I could go on and go on. Do you know there are hundreds of fears, phobias, that are in people that we deal with? That's That's the pakad. But then there's the yaira. Somebody say yaira. Not jaira. (laughs) Yaira. Yaira means deep respect, reverent worship, or I love this word, awesomeness. The word awe. Somebody say awe. All. All. Not like awe, but awe. The awe and wonder of our God. I want to read to you again so you can get in your spirit. It says this, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him. Let me stop right there. That's not talking about what we just did a while ago for about 25 minutes. That's a portion of worship. He's talking about living 24-7 as a worshiper. And how do you do that? You do it with a holy fear and awe. Amen? Let us be thankful, please God, by worshiping him with holy fear And all so you can see you can see that there's a big difference between the fear of the lord and the spirit and the spirit of fear okay so listen i'm gonna say to you like this one fear the spirit of fear demonic straight from the pit of hell it will cripple you it will paralyze you in your tracks the other fear will liberate you so you can run hard after jesus we need the fear of the lord Now, when I was in prayer here yesterday with a few brothers, praying for you and praying for the service and praying for myself, the word came to me tormenting. And that there are people here, I said this in nine, I'll say it in one, I'm saying it in 11. There are people here, if you're honest with yourself, that you are tormented with fear. And I want to just tell you number one, I'm sorry for whatever you've gone through to get to the place that you've been tormented with fear, but I also want to tell you, you don't have to let that thing live in you anymore. You don't have to let that thing dictate your decision-making. That we are not supposed to be, because we are the people of God, tormented by anything. We we are literally a people who are led by the Spirit of God. God doesn't torment us, but hell will. And so I want to just encourage you today, if you're struggling with just, you're tormented inside, deep inside, no one knows. You put a good church face on Sundays. You might even lift your hands to the Lord, but you go home and you are terrified. Can I tell you what? God says today, no more in Jesus' name that you don't have to walk in fear and live in a place of fear. Let me just say this. When those two come together and they have a boxing match, the fear of the Lord wins every time. Actually, you cannot live in the spirit of fear when you're walking in the fear of the Lord. Yes, it takes faith to rise up out of fears, But I'm telling you, as you run after God and you walk in the fear of the Lord and you make him mighty and great in your heart and mind, he's already mighty and great. But when you make him that in you and live that way, all the fears that try to control us, they just fall off us when we walk in the fear of the Lord. So let me try to give you a definition of the fear of the Lord. I say try because this could be a four-week series and it's hard to put in one message, but I'll do my best. The fear of the Lord is this to hold in the highest honor. Somebody say highest honor. Nobody higher. Nobody. Nobody gets any more than Jesus. The highest. The best. He's the king. He deserves the best. The best of me, the best of my life. The fear of the Lord is to hold in the highest honor, to revere that word reverence and all. Here's my question to us today. Y'all still with me? Have we lost the awe and wonder of our King? It's introspective. Church, it's happened to me. It's probably happened to many of us. You get used to being a Christian, you forget after a while of years of knowing the Lord about the joy of our salvation. You can come in church week after week and sing the songs, maybe clap, maybe even get a little groove on, maybe lift your hands to the Lord, and it can become routine. It can become the same old, same old. You can find yourself, even though you hate it, going through the motions. It's called religion, and it can jump on any of us. But I'm here to remind you today that Jesus did not die for religion. He died for a relationship. Amen? He died for relationship with us. And he wants, listen to me, he wants his relationship with you. He yearns to have a fresh, fiery relationship, love with you. But it's not up to him, it's up to us. It's easier to be religious than it is to run hard after God. It's easier, come on, let's be real. It's easier to put on church face than it is to be real. We're talking about the fear of the Lord have we lost our all? The wonder of our God. We were praying in here and I got the picture of the Milky Way galaxy. Look, I, don't, I can hardly remember my science classes, right? And, but I remember like there's so many galaxies, but just the Milky Way itself is huge. Someone created that. That's our Father. Have we lost the wonder of how big he is, how powerful he is? i tell you what I've realized is when you realize how big he is, you realize how small you are, but not insignificant. Some of you feel insignificant. You are not insignificant. When you realize how big he is and how small you are, you also realize how big his love is, how loud his love is. And you know what? That calls us to be precious to him. I'm, I may be small, he may be big, but I'm precious to him. You're precious to him because we're his kids. But have we? He hasn't lost his all. Have we lost our awe and wonder? Uh, many people know, because I talk about it a lot, I love going to the beach. I could go to the beach all day long. I know that you're in here. Any beach people with me in the room? Hello. All right. I want you to see it in your mind right now. Those waves. Man, we we I don't know if you've ever done this if it's cool enough we'd open the doors fall asleep and just hear those waves like I'm in my bed like just feel I mean just so relaxing I don't know if you've ever done this but I've gone to the beach one time many times and I've just stared at the water and just stared at the water and the stress and stuff just fell off me as I'm just staring umbrella over me. I don't care. I think Lisa's talking. I'm not sure. I'm just losing focus. I just nod, get myself in trouble. I don't care. I'm just, anybody been there? You're just like, you're staring at the water. I've come to realize something about the beach. This is not all people, but I'm, I'm a people person. So I'll talk to anybody. I'll, if I can't find somebody, I'll just talk to the dog, just walking around, you know, I'll talk to somebody at the beach. And, but I have found people who live at the beach. And this is very interesting to me again, not all, but a lot through the years. That a lot of people who live at the beach never go to the beach. Recently, we were down at Destin. uh, I say recently, almost a year now. We were down at Destin for spring break. And I'm talking to a lady there who lived two rooms down. We're renting the place for a few days. She lives there. And I'm just talking to her. And and my my son helped her put something in in uh, in their car. They were getting ready to go and leave and go shopping or whatever. And I'm just talking to her. And I just asked her, said, well, when's the last time you've been at the beach and just hung out? And she's like, oh, it's been, it's been such a long time. I'm like, well, let's go right now. I'm just going to take you, just, you know, throw her in there. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, are you serious? And I'm afraid that for many of us, we're like that. Like, we got this big, beautiful, majestic, incredible God where the Bible says that strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. And we treat him casually. And we treat him small. And we make him, we sing his praises on Sunday, but we make him insignificant in our life decisions Monday through Saturday. We need the fear of the Lord, church. I know it's not a popular subject. I've been nervous all week about preaching this subject. By the way, big difference between nervous and fear. Nervous keeps me on my face before God. Fear is straight from the pit of hell. So I've been healthy, nervous talking about this subject because as I was going there, I realized there's some areas that I need more of the fear of the Lord in my life. I need the fear of the Lord. Amen? We've got to be understand and recognize. Yes, I hear it a lot about Jesus being our friend and I'm so glad I was an enemy, but he died for me and made me his friend. But it doesn't end with friend. Actually, that's just the beginning. He's also a king. He's Lord. You know what that means? If you're a Christian in the room, a Christ follower, that means he calls the shots in our life. I don't get to do what Chris wants to do anymore. Ooh, I know our flesh doesn't like this. As a Christ follower, it's not about what Chris wants, it's about what Christ says, and I need to do that. And what Christ says is always better than what Chris wants to do. I'm gonna say it to you like this, right here on the screen. When I fear the Lord... I've made some decisions. That God is real. Some might say real. That his word is true. Some might say true. true. That Jesus is not only my savior, but he's my Lord. And that my life is not my own. As a Christ follower, I don't get to choose what I want to do anymore. Just tell you a little bit about me and my childhood that went into my 20s and 30s. One thing, y'all have heard the stories. And so, growing up, oh, by the way, my brother, brother number three, is in the room today. Rusty, right over here. This is my flesh and blood brother, right here. He's got red head. Nobody else, he's got red hair. Nobody else in the family does, so we're wondering where he came from. (laughs) We've said for years, we think he was adopted, so. No, No better thing to have your brother with you. And so, growing up, and Rusty knows well, I was always the one in trouble. I'm the oldest of four. Can't wait to see all my brothers this week at Thanksgiving in Bama with some sweet home cooking. And... I'm just going to let that go. I was talking about food, brother. Anyway, (laughs) I'm playing all love, And so I found myself always getting in trouble, wanting my way. Most of the time I got in trouble because I wanted my way. It had to be my way. That went into my childhood and went into my teenage years. And my mom, God bless her, she tried her best and so did my dad. And I'm telling you, I remember I was always in trouble. I was in trouble at school. I was in trouble at home. And you know you're really in trouble. I was even in trouble at church. They'd be like, this boy, God, help him. I remember somebody told my dad, he must have a call in his life, or he's going to hell. <laughs> Good old Baptist days. Anyway, and so, and so I, I, you know, I, I grew up with, some of you know this, I had soap in my mouth quite a bit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody had their mouth washed out with soap? Somebody's like, what the heck are we talking about? <laughs> That was a different generation, but I had a potty mouth. I was disrespectful all the time with my mouth. I was raised right, knew right, but did what I wanted to do. It was me. I'm going to get to something in a second. I had to have my way, independence. And it wasn't just because I was the firstborn. There was a pride in me that needed to break. And so my mom, God bless her, I mean, she went from the wooden spoon to the ruler, uh, to, 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 to finally she's like, go outside and pick a, pick a bush, pick a branch, something from that thing. I don't care, pick something, bring it back in this room. I, I didn't know what a timeout was or a naughty chair. I just knew spankings. And I got hundreds of them. I took all your spankings for you, Rusty, they, they got it. Rusty was the favorite child, I don't know. I, I'm having a bitter moment right here, just coming out in front of everybody. And so he never got a spanking. But, uh, but anyway, I just, I mean, I see it now. God was breaking me, and, and it, it went from the switch, and Mom, got to, I'd bring it out in a little, little thin, little nothing, you know. She'd be like, get back out there and give me a switch. You know, i come in, and she would, she'd just start going around. I'd be like, I'd be doing a dance while she's, and they would wrap around. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'd dodge one to get my other leg. Ah, I'd dodge, oh, you. Oh, And then my dad, and then she'd send me to my room. I know you know what's coming. And she'd say those dreaded words, wait till your father gets home. I'm like, why wait? We just had all that torture. It's over. I'm good. (laughs) And I became one with a leather material called a belt. But there was a struggle. I remember my dad one time, not not a very emotional man, was crying, which I'd never seen before. As I was 18, just screaming at him, bloody murder, being so disrespectful. And he said to me through tears, could hardly get it out, when are you just going to surrender? Why does it always got to be your way? And of course, I was pointing, because you wanted to be your way, yelling at him, being so disrespectful. 19, I surrender my heart to God. Y'all know the story, if you're a guest. Go check out the message, a former message. (laughs) I don't know which one. Um, And um, I remember praying that prayer at that youth conference. Lord, I remember just saying it. You'll hear me say a lot up here on Sundays. Lord, I'm tired of running my life my way. My life is yours. And I meant that, and I've never looked back since, but I've still had to fight that independent spirit through the years. Of my way. My way has hurt that woman over there so bad. Because I bought that car when I shouldn't have bought it. When she begged me not to buy that house. But I justified by saying, we gotta have a nice house. Because I was living in comparison. And we had nothing. and got us in all kinds of debt. Took out two loans to get it. But I wanted her to have a nice house. And it crushed her spirit. It's hurt our family. I had to have my way. And none of it was God's way. Were they good things? Out of good intentions? Yes. But how many people know a good thing, if it's not a God thing, we shouldn't want it. God's things are always on God's timing. And so I've had to to learn. A man standing before you preaching today, he ain't got it all together. He's constantly learning and growing. But I've learned and I'm learning and I'm growing that, God, I want to do only what you would have me do. I want to walk in the fear of the Lord, that it's not about me, it's about you. It's not about what I want, it's about what you want and what you say. That's the fear of the Lord, that I would live such a reverent life that he's the king and he calls the shots on my life. And when I start doing things that are out of his will, be it sin or even just decision making that's not God, that I'd be pricked quick, that I would repent quick. Because guess what? When we don't, we start justifying it. well, well, I mean, we start justifying it. When I fear the Lord, my life becomes more and more dependent on what God says over what I want to do. 1 Peter 1, three verses, 14 through 17, says this, so you must live, somebody say live, as God's obedient children. Don't, and this is key, and some of you, We've all been there at times, but some of you are, I feel like when I was praying yesterday, some of you are right here in this verse. So lean in. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desire. Have you noticed when we're fighting great discouragement, when we're going through a dark storm, have you noticed you feel so weak, and it's just easy to go back to the same old, same old? It's easy to go back to the yuck. It's easy to go back to that old bad, ungodly habit. So he says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now, somebody say now. Now Now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray, he has no favorites. Now look at this. This is a fear of the Lord verse right here. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. People don't like to think of judgment with Jesus, but even as Christians, we will be judged by the way we lived our life. Not about going to heaven or hell. If you're a true Christ follower, you're going to be with him in paradise, but we're also going to be judged on the way we lived our life. So you must live. Somebody say live. There it is again. So you must live. How do you? in reverent fear of him during your time here. I love this language, as temporary residence. Church, our life is temporary. You woke up this morning, you probably didn't even think about it, but the first breath, you woke up, your eyes open. God knows the brevity of our life. He holds our breath. I know we don't think about it, but he holds our very breath in his hands. We woke up this morning, that means our life is not over. There's still things to do. We want to live for him. Amen? I know we don't think about that. People don't think because we just, you know, we go about our life, we do our own thing. We don't realize that God is holding our very breath. He knows the days that I'll live this earth. I just want to live it for him. I want to learn from my mistakes. I want to learn from the sins that easily tricked me up when I was younger. Not only so I don't repeat them, but so the generation following me won't repeat them. Are you with me? So here's the deal about this reverence, this worship before God. We're just gonna move on because of time, but we gotta understand and recognize this. A reverent life for God turns into a submitted life to God. If you're taking notes, you need to write that down. A reverent life for God turns into a submitted life to God. When you revere God and worship him as king with your life, you're going to be submitted to him. And you're going to easily know when you're not submitted, that your heart would be pricked quickly, that you'd make things right quickly. If you get off and start making your own life decisions, that you'd be pricked by the spirit. Oh God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I didn't even get you involved with that. Father, forgive me. Lord, what should I do? Whatever it is, that we'd be submitted to God. And listen, church, and when we mess up, and we all do, when we mess up, we would not run away from the father, we'd run to the father. Hey, what did Adam and Eve do when they sinned against their father? They hid. There are too many sons and daughters of the king in this room that are hiding in your sins. Listen, God already knows it. Just bring it to him. He's not some old man in the sky going to beat you down. He's a father that will hold you, that will love you, that will heal you, that will embrace you. He says, come as we are. Not just come when you're clean, come when you're good, but come when you're hurting. Come when you're in habitual sin. Just come. Amen? The fear of the Lord. If you're walking in the fear of the Lord, you don't run from the Father. You run to the Father. Let me just say it to you like this, again, as Christ followers in the room, our fear our fear, shouldn't be death. We should not be fearing death because, come on, we don't, we don't die. That last breath, your eyes close, you open your eyes, you're with Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be in the presence of the Lord. As Christ followers, our fear is not death, nor is it judgment. But rather, it's a fear of being distant from our Father. And it's not Him that distances Himself. It's us. It's me. And every child wants to be close to their father. We need the fear of the Lord. We need the fear of the Lord. Amen? Amen? There are so many incredible blessings that I don't have time, so many promises, so many benefits that come from walking in the fear of the Lord. Again, I'm just shortening because of time, but the fear, I'll just say a few things I'm gonna throw out to you if you're taking notes. Did you know that the fear of the Lord will lengthen your life? The fear, if you walk in the fear of the Lord, it will literally lengthen your life. It's one of the benefits. Another one, did you know that the fear of the Lord? will not only lead you to life, Proverbs 19 says, but it, you will get that rest and contentment untouched by trouble. Bible says in, an, in another proverb about it, that the angels of the Lord surround those who fear the Lord. Wisdom is found in the fear of the Lord. The right path, Proverbs 14:2 tells us, the right path is found. You need to make a decision, you need to be walking in the fear of the Lord. He'll show you the right path. And you might need some security in their life, and I'm not talking about financial. Need true security. The security inside your soul. it's found in the fear of the Lord. When you make God big, all insecurities melt away, and you find your value and security in Him. The fear of the Lord, parents, listen to this. Grandparents, fear of the Lord. It, it gives you literally a security, but it also gives you a refuge for your children. So if you as a parent walk in the fear of the Lord, your children will have a refuge in the Lord. And then finally, the fear of the Lord, I could have given you millions. They're all through the Bible, not just in Proverbs, though Proverbs is full of them. The fear of the Lord, it will give you, the Bible says, all that you need. And yet we hear all that and somehow the fear of the Lord, it feels like some kind of old, Old Testament thing that's not relevant to our life today. And that's so untrue, so unbiblical. The author Jerry Bridges said it like this. He said, There was a time when committed Christians were known as God-fearing people, but somewhere along the way, we lost it. Now the idea of fearing God, if thought of at all, seems like a relic of the past. Mm. I want to give you a, a graphic here that our amazing Stratmart team made for all the campuses. And this will give you a contrast of the, and forgive me guys, my back to y'all. We have the screen right here if you need it. Um, We have the Acts 2 Christian and we have the modern day Christian. And this is something that we put together, uh, the campus pastors and Pastor Dennis, who's speaking at Norcross today. And we, we want to do a contrast of the modern day Christian. Now listen, this is generally speaking. It's not every Christian but generally speaking, the modern-day Christians. So let's look at it, left to right. Acts 2 Christian, on fire relationship with God. They're passionately on fire for God. Modern-day Christian, very lukewarm, religious, not really about relationship. It's not what they want, but it's the way they live. Second one, Acts 2 Christian participates daily in Christian ministry and in church and in homes. The modern-day Christian in our nation attends church one to two times a month with 20% serving and 80% watching. The Acts 2 Christian, the third one down. They live sacrificially to help others and reach more people for Christ. The modern-day Christian sadly lives self-indulgence, all about me, lifestyle, occasionally giving whatever is left over. The Acts 2 Christian Believe that consistent, unified prayer was essential for the power of God to move. The modern-day Christian doesn't have time for prayer due to the busy life and the busy schedules. By the way, I'm so thankful that we have prayer back at our camp, all of our campuses on Wednesday night. We're unified in prayer, and we know that if we want to see God move in this church and our community, we got to be a people that are praying. Privately and corporately, amen? Amen. By the way, no prayer this Wednesday uh, because of Thanksgiving, but it will be online. Last two, real quick. Acts 2 Church, we're willing to lose everything, somebody say everything, for the cause of Christ. Family, jobs, even their lives. We know that all the apostles were martyred in some fashion or form. Modern day Christian, family activities, jobs, entertainment replace the worship of God. I told you your flesh wasn't going to like any of this. Last one, if you can read at the bottom. Set the example, the Acts 2 church, Christian, set the example for the community in marriage and family life. And the modern day Christian looks like the world 50% divorce rate, and our young people, our next generation, influenced by social media and the internet. Church, can you see that we need the fear of the Lord? We need the fear of the Lord. Before we close, I'm going to give you three things rapid fire. So be ready to go. Rapid fire. I could give you a hundred. I'm going to give you three. Three ways to demonstrate the fear of the Lord. This one, this first one, I can promise you, probably going to, well, it's already on the screen. There you go. Uh, the, words. <laughs> words. This is one you don't think about when it comes to the fear of the Lord. Somebody say words. The words we speak, the words coming out of our mouth reveal whether or not we fear the Lord. God help us, because some of us in the room and online need to go on down to the local police station right after service and register your mouth as a lethal weapon. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, as James said, it should not be so. How can we praise God with our mouth and curse our brothers and sisters, it says? Amen? We can't. You can't do that and walk in the fear of the Lord. You can't leave a place like this in God's presence and walk out those doors and put down every single human being but you. We've, we've got to come to the place that we've got to May the words, come on, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. We've got to make sure, oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, it says. We've got to make sure, and you know what? That means we need, to, we need to go a little deeper, not just my mouth, but my heart. Because whatever's in my heart is going to come out of my mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God takes my words, your words, very seriously. Matthew 12 even says, and it's in red, Jesus said it. He said, on judgment day, we will have to give an account for every idle word that comes out of our mouth. I don't know about you, but that alone puts the fear of God in me. Because guilty is charged with idle words through the years. Now, thank God for repentance and mercy. Hello. Hello and forgiveness amen or are we all be in a huge bunch of trouble Am I, we got to make sure the words come in our mouth are holy and they're pleasing in God's sight or we can go old school like my like my grandfather used to say if it ain't good don't say it listen let me just say this to you we have a rule in our family we try our best to walk it out the best we can but if you're going to say something behind someone back it has to be good if you, even if you don't agree with them, even if they hurt your feelings, let's say something good. And there's been times where they've either called us on the carpet or we called them on the carpet and we said something like this. Hey, I know you're hurting right now and you got your feelings hurt, but can you say something good about them? Because we're going to be judged on the words that come out of our mouth. Right here on the screen, Ephesians 4. This first one, most people say, well, I don't worry about this. Look at this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Feel like, well, of course not. No. Look right here. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And Do not bring sorrow to God's spirit by the way you live. Do you know that we can grieve the Holy Spirit? The way we live, the choices we make can grieve him. If you're a parent or just, just ever, all of us have grieved before over something. Where do you think we got that emotion from? It came from him. He grieves over decisions we make. Still loves us, but he grieves. He hurts. He's a father. Get rid of all the bitterness, verse 31. Rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Come on, somebody. Tenderhearted, hearted forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. When we watch over our words, it's a way to demonstrate the fear of the Lord. Another way to demonstrate the fear of the Lord is our money, or should I say God's money, because it's all God's, all of it's God's. We can see clearly in Scripture from the Israelites in the Old Testament to the New Testament church that they always gave back to God a portion that we call the tithe, and then the extravagant of it is the offering. We just talked about Christmas gift to the world. That's an offering God, I know it. the math doesn't make sense, but we're blessed with the 90% than holding on to the 100%. Ooh. It's all God's. And some people hold on to all of it. I'll give when I want to give, and you're playing God with God's money. It's all God's. We're just stewards. And we got to make sure that we understand and recognize. The tithe and the offering, the money, it all comes under stewardship. And tithing is not an Old Testament thing. It's a God thing. Actually, a lot of people just say, well, tithing is just the Old Testament. Actually, when it goes in the New Testament, it's just greater. The tithe is just training wheels. Come on, somebody. Remember training wheels? Those didn't stay on very long. As you grow, you go. If God can get it to you, he'll get it through you. Money. Somebody say money. Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me, he says. But you ask, how are we robbing you, God? He says, in tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe in the storehouse so they may have food in my house. So they may have food in my house. Test me in this. Somebody say, test me. By the way, it's the only thing he says we can test him on says, the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing, there will be not enough room to store it. And let me just say this. I imagine most of us that call this house home, most of us give online. Don't treat online giving like you're paying a bill. Most of us pay the bills online, digitally. I'm so thankful for convenience of technology. But can I tell you what? Still, when you give that tithe or that offering online, let it be an expression of worship. Don't go through the motions, God, I'm giving back to you what is rightfully yours. Bless it for your kingdom purposes. Amen? And then number three, our body. We're talking about three ways to demonstrate the fear of the Lord. Our words, our money, and our body. Somebody say, my body. When someone truly fears the Lord, they reverence God with their whole body. Why? Because if you're a Christ follower, our body is not ours. We were bought with a price. Hello, church. I don't live for me. I live for him. I gotta check myself. What am I looking at with my eyes? My body. What am I putting before me? What am I I putting into my ears? My body. My body is God's. Am I taking care of my one body that I'm only gonna get for this lifetime? My body is the temple, your body, if you're a Christ father, the temple of the Holy Spirit. We gotta take care of this body, it's all we got. So we gotta take care of our body physically and we gotta take care of our body spiritually. And the Bible says that's an act of worship. Last verse, Romans 12:1. Many of you know this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church. I plead with you, Paul says, to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly, come on, say it with me. This is truly the way to worship him. Amen. Can we pray together? Every one of us, starting with me, can grow in the fear of the Lord. I want to say that again. Every one of us, starting with me, we can can grow in the fear of the Lord. It's all about the posture of our heart. Some of us here were like me in the early days. You love God, but you did your life your way. And today you can start living for God his way. Living life the way he says and what he tells us to do. Some of us here, we're harboring unforgiveness, living with offense, and God's been telling us and telling us, you gotta let it go. It's killing you, you can't move forward. You can't even be forgiven if you're having, holding on to unforgiveness. The Father's been whispering to you, let it go. It's poisoning your soul. Today, by the grace and the help of the Holy Spirit, you can, doesn't mean what they did was right, but you can let go of the poison and let go of the unforgiveness and start fresh with God today, walking in the fear of the Lord. Some of us, as I said earlier, we've slipped back into our old sins and addictions. Could have been a tough time. Could have been a loss of job, loss of a family member. There's always those losses that brings in the door of discouragement. It can come in so quickly. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in old sins that we conquered years ago. And now they're conquering us again. But today we can make things right. Today we can leave this place with a new mindset. I'm not going to be in that trap anymore. We can let the Lord conquer that desire in us so we can conquer that ungodly habit. And finally, some of us in the room, we've grown cold if we're honest. We hate it, but we find ourselves going through the motions. It's called religion. Our fire that once was is barely a flicker. And today we can say, God, forgive me. I repent of letting this fire go out. You are my first love. You are my fire. You are my passion. Forgive me for putting other things, other people in front of you. Can we stand together? I want to ask us to do something. And I'm going to do it right with you. So we're going to do this together. I believe with all my heart that God is all about movement. We need to move closer to him. And I'm gonna ask us in this moment before God, for many of us in the room, we need to bow our knee in submission to the king. It's a physical move of the posture and of our hearts. The question came to me as I was walking to this room, how long has it been since you've been in your bedroom and you grabbed your spouse's hand and bowed before the Lord in worship and submission to God? we got to resubmit and realign our marriage to God. Your own life before God, I submit to you. Some of you, that's not what you need to do. Some of you have never lifted your hands ever to the Lord. Lifting your hands is an act of worship, but it's also a state of surrender that you can lift your hands to Jesus saying, God, my life is yours. Some of you need to come up front. You've never moved. You need to come up front. There's nothing magical about this. This would just be an altar area. You, some of you need to turn around to your chair and make that your altar before God. But can we just right now, can you make a move? Can we make a move to God? Do what you need to do. Get before the Lord in this moment. As we get with God, to submit ourselves to Him, If you need to get on your knees, get on your knees to the Lord. Don't worry about what people are thinking. You might not be able to physically do that. But make the space in this moment your altar. I don't have to call things out. We all know where there's areas that are not submitted to God. Lord Jesus, we come to you as your sons and daughters. And first and foremost, we wanna brag on you, Father, that you never will give up on us, that you're always there, that your mercies are new every morning, that your grace is there to cover us and equip us throughout the day. And Lord, we come to you today, a beautiful big group of people. We all got things going on in our temples that we know that are not right. Some of us are tormented by fear. And tonight, or this moment right here today, we submit those fears to you, God. Those are ungodly fears, and we want nothing to do with them. Lord, some of us are running our life our way, never asking you what you think. Forgive us, God. We repent. Today we say we live for you. Lord, some of us have slipped, but I thank you that when we slip, you're right there to pick us back up. We've gotten caught up in old sins and old habits that are ungodly. Father, forgive us. We repent. We're sorry for allowing these things in your holy temple. And Lord, for all of us, I'm praying God, starting with me, forgive us when we get caught in the, going through the motions, playing church instead of being the church. Lord God, we are sons and daughters of you. So I pray, God, you restore the fire that we lost, a fire for you and you alone. Forgive us for putting materialistic things or people or whatever before you. Our life is about you and for your kingdom and for your glory. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can come boldly before your throne. You're not here to beat us up. You're here to embrace us and love us and carry us. And so we thank you, Father, that you are holy and you are good, you are perfect, you are righteous. And as we lean into you, you make us holy, you make us good, and you make us righteous. So we realign our hearts with you, King Jesus. And we say, holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Let's sing it as we close out together. Holy is the Lord.